Amen. Please be seated. Our scripture reading this evening comes from Hebrews chapter 13, and we'll be reading just verse 17 this evening. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 17. Obey those who have the rule over you, and be submissive, for they watch out for your souls. As those who must give account, let them do so with joy and not with grief, for that would be unprofitable for you. This morning we talked about the qualifications that God has put in his word regarding one who would serve as an elder. We talked about how that word elder refers to an office in the Lord's church that God himself put there. And the words that describe an elder are words that mean an overseer, one who manages the people of God. Words that mean a man of devotion, a shepherd, one who cares for and loves and knows the people of God, and an older and mature man. Those three words that describe the office of elder are words that we ought to pay attention to. We shouldn't just take Bible terms and use them however we want to. Let's call Bible things by Bible names and speak about Bible offices like elder in Bible ways. Because when we do that, we know that we're honoring Jesus Christ. We're honoring his word. Tonight, let's talk about the work that elders do. And there's so much that could be said on this topic. There's no way we could ever do this in one lesson. So what I want us to do is just this. We're going to talk about why the church needs elders just very briefly. But then we're also going to talk about some general areas of responsibility and then some specific areas that all of us ought to think about. What has God tasked those who would serve as elders to do? When you think about elders, there are some facts that are good for us just to keep in mind as we embark upon this study. When you read the Bible, there is always a plurality of elders. That word plurality means there's always more than one. In Acts chapter 14, verse 23, the Bible says that after planting churches in various cities, Paul and Barnabas went back through those cities and they appointed elders in every church. They didn't just appoint one elder to oversee a congregation. There were always at least two, always a plurality. When Paul wrote the letter to the Philippians in Philippians 1 verse 1, he addressed that elder to that, that letter to one congregation to the elders and the deacons and the saints that are in Jesus Christ. And so when you think about the Bible, it talks about always there being a plurality of elders. It's not right for just one man to serve as an elder, as an individual in a local congregation. Secondly, some congregations do not yet have elders. Obviously, in Acts 14, 23, there were churches meeting, but not yet elders overseeing those congregations. That's why they had to appoint them. Open your Bibles, if you would, to Titus and look at chapter 1, verse 5. Titus chapter 1, verse 5. First and Second Timothy and Titus are letters to preachers of the gospel. Timothy and Titus, they were young men who preached the gospel. And in Titus chapter 1, verse 5, here's what Paul says to Titus, this young man. For this reason, I left you in Crete, Titus 1, verse 5, that you should set in order the things that are lacking 
and appoint elders in every city as I commanded you. Titus's responsibility was to set in order things that were lacking about people's faith, and more specifically, his orders were to appoint elders in every congregation. Every church ought to be working toward qualified elders, every congregation. In foreign countries, in foreign mission works, uh, working on, on, on men developing the kind of family life and the kind of character that would help them to be an elder one day, that, that's a priority in many mission works, including what we as a congregation have been doing with our missionaries in Mexico for many, many decades. It's an important work because this is God's will for the church. But even in our own country, there are hundreds of congregations of God's people that are without elders. Let me tell you something. It's a difficult thing for the church to try to manage and to try to serve the Lord. Although you can do that scripturally, it's difficult. And we ought to not, never cease to give thanks to God for the blessing of having elders who oversee the congregations where we worship. They're a blessing from God. Then third, as we think about facts, just by way of introduction, every Christian, as we just read, that Kevin read a moment ago in Hebrews 13, 17, every Christian has an obligation, that's, that's you and me, to pray for, to cooperate with, and to encourage those who serve as elders. Well, what if our personalities don't mesh? You have an obligation to cooperate with, to encourage, and to pray for the men who serve as elders. Well, what if I don't like the decision they're making? If we're not talking about a matter of doctrine, if this is just a matter of opinion, our obligation as Christians is to cooperate with, to encourage, and to pray for those who serve as elders. This is God's desire for you and for me as New Testament Christians. And let me tell you something, because elders are people, because they're human beings, we're not always necessarily going to see eye to eye. But our demeanor and our manner and our attitude ought to be such that when an elder sees us coming toward them, they don't inwardly cringe. Okay? Can we, can we just say that's, that's what Hebrews 13 is telling, uh, Hebrews 13, 17 is saying. I don't want an elder to cringe when he sees me coming because he knows I'm about to unload on him one more time. That's not the way we treat these men. God's word tells us to do our best, to let them do their work with joy and not with grief. And so as you think about those facts concerning elders, let's turn our attention to the need for elders, first of all, tonight. Why does the church need elders? In the first place, the church needs elders because it's very clear that this is God's intention. This is how he organized the church. Acts 20, verse 28, the apostle Paul speaks to the Ephesian elders and he says, take heed to all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. This is not just the church getting together and thinking, okay, what kind of government are we going to have? What kind of leadership are we going to have? This is God speaking through the Holy Spirit saying, I want elders in every church. That's his intention. And if there were no other reasons in the Bible for us to encourage and to look for elders, that's the best one in the first place. It's intended by God. Obviously, as you watch the early church, this was a priority for the apostles. Again, those passages that we've referenced already. Paul appointed elders in every church. Paul told Titus to appoint elders in every church. This was their priority. When they were preaching and teaching the gospel, this was something that was a major point of emphasis in their ministry. This is also the emphasis of Scripture. 
This morning we talked about the qualifications of men who would serve as elders in 1 Timothy 3 and Titus chapter 1. Quite a bit of the New Testament deals with this office. It deals with this role. It deals with those who would serve as elders and what we ought to be looking for because this is God's will for these men. And so if Scripture emphasizes it, we ignore what the Scripture says to our own peril. Every word that proceeds from the mouth of God is profitable. It's helpful for building us up. Matthew 4, verse 4, 2 Timothy 3, verses 16 and 17, including what the Bible has to say about elders, shepherds. And then fourth, this is a command that needs to happen in the context of churches. In 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 1 and 2, Peter says that elders, speaking to elders specifically, he says, make sure that you are shepherding the flock among you. In other words, Peter is saying to elders, there is a group over which you are responsible, the local congregation, and make sure that you're shepherding in a way that honors the great shepherd, the chief shepherd, Jesus Christ. Because really what you are is you are managing a trust. You are an under-shepherd for the chief shepherd, Jesus Christ himself. And you are to manage the people of God and you are to work with the people of God in a way that brings him honor. And again, in Philippians 1 verse 1, when Paul writes the letter to the church at Philippi, he addresses it to the elders first and foremost. New Testament churches in the New Testament, they always were encouraging and looking for qualified men to serve as elders. And we're doing the right thing in 2021 when we follow in their footsteps, when we follow their example in this respect. The need for elders. Having said that, let's talk first of all this evening, or second of all this evening, about some general areas. When we talk about the work of elders, what are the general areas over which God has set elders? Now, I'm just going to give you some scriptures on the screen because with the PowerPoint, sometimes I can give you more information this way, but I'm going to do this for this particular point. Just watch the screen. In the first place, because elders, one of the terms for the office of elder is pastor, again, just because a man preaches does not mean he is a pastor. A man can be a preacher without being a pastor. In fact, most preachers are not pastors in the biblical New Testament sense. To be a pastor is to be qualified in a very specific way to serve in this role that we're talking about tonight. And what a pastor does, the word pastor just means shepherd. And so his responsibility is to shepherd the people of God. Watch this. 1 Peter 5 verse 2 shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. Notice the term flock is used twice in those two verses. And notice the idea of being a shepherd and the kind of loving, tender care that an elder ought to exhibit. Those things are emphasized in these passages not only is an elder to be a shepherd of God's people but they are to be examples to God's people what should I be striving to do as a New Testament Christian I ought to be able to look to the shepherds to the pastors to the elders in order to see an example not a perfect example but an example nonetheless of what godliness looks like and again the passage we just read that last phrase, not domineering over those in your charge, but rather being examples to the flock. 
People ought to be able to see Jesus Christ in those who serve as elders. They ought to be able to see something of his spirit, something of his character, something of his attitude, something of his hatred for sin, his love for truth and righteousness. Those things ought to be examples that we see in those who serve as shepherds, as elders, examples to God's people. General areas, number three. Elders, by virtue of the work that God gives them to do, are responsible to know God's people. And I said on the screen, especially in the local setting, especially in the local church. John 10 verses 4 and 5, Jesus says, speaking about himself being the good shepherd, he says, when he has brought out all his own, he goes before them and the sheep follow him for they know his voice. There's a relationship between the shepherd and the sheep. There's a relationship that exists and it's one of love and of care, care and concern, of dependence, of protection. Elders know who the people of God are. Practically speaking, in a congregation this size, it is impractical to think that every single one of the shepherds is going to know every single one of us extremely well. Just from a practical standpoint. Statistically, did you know this? Statistically, they say that you can really only have a relationship of any depth with about 50 people at one time in your life. About 50. A relationship of any depth. And one of the reasons I believe, I don't have a scripture for this, but one of the reasons I believe why there ought to be a plurality of elders in every congregation is because God knows those things. There are some men that we might resonate with and that might understand us better than others. But everyone who serves as an elder, as a shepherd, has the obligation and the responsibility to be interested in and concerned about the flock, the people of God. And at the very least, ought to be making efforts to know our names. The sheep hear his voice and they follow because they know that the shepherd knows their names. John chapter 10, verse 14, Jesus goes on to say something very similar to that. Knowing God's people is important. Next, they are to watch out for souls. If somebody were to leave a large sum of money or maybe a precious possession in your care and they'd say, I want you to watch over this. I want you to protect this. I want you to make sure that nothing bad happens to this precious possession. It belongs to me and I don't want it to be harmed or stolen. Well, that's a pretty big trust. But think about this. The Bible says that the work of an elder is not just to watch out for something that's made of silver or gold or something that's precious in terms of this world's possessions. Rather, an elder is responsible for keeping watch over people's souls. They are going to give an account, brothers and sisters and friends, to Almighty God for the way that they shepherded the people that belong to Jesus. They're going to give an account. They have to give an answer on the day of judgment. And so... Let me just say this to the church. Don't get upset with the elders when they come and talk to us about things that they see happening in our lives that they're concerned about. If they're expressing concern toward us, if they're saying that there are things that are maybe amiss in our lives, that's their responsibility. God has given that to them. Don't give them a hard time about it if you can help it. 
Because when they come and talk to us about these things and they express that concern, they're doing exactly what God told them to do. They are to keep watch over our souls. We need to be thankful for those men who are courageous enough and have enough integrity to confront even in times when we'd rather not have to be confrontational. What do elders do? Again, watching out for souls, Acts 20, verses 29 through 31, the apostle Paul warned the elders that they were to be alert, thinking about the wolves that were going to enter in, not sparing the flock. They were to make sure that they understood that there was danger all about, and they're alert, they're watching for people's souls. What else do elders do? General Arius. They have a responsibility to feed the flock. Sheep eat grass. They drink water. Obviously, all a shepherd has to do with literal sheep is find grass and water and keep the sheep moving to new places where there's more grass and water. What do the people of God need to be fed? The people of God need, and the community around us, a steady diet of God's Word, of nothing but God's Word of God's word preached in its truth and its relevance, of God's word preached in its plainness, of the whole counsel of God being preached. That is the responsibility that shepherds have to make sure that the church is eating a balanced diet of God's word. Titus chapter one, verse nine. Here's what Paul says about shepherds. He says they must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught so that the shepherds may be able to give instruction in sound doctrine. Elders are to be concerned about healthy teaching in the church. They have a responsibility to listen to what's being taught, to pay attention to what's being said, not just publicly, but privately as well, because sound doctrine demands it. Elders have that responsibility to make sure that the church is hearing God's word repeatedly. Elders have a responsibility to restore the wandering, generally speaking. All of us have an obligation to reach out to those who are wandering from the truth. Galatians chapter 6, verses 1 and 2. But elders specifically, listen to Jesus' parable. What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the one who is lost until he finds it? Jesus is just asking a practical question. This is what people did in Jesus' day. You got a hundred sheep, one runs off, you go find the one. You leave the 99 and you go find the one. That's what good shepherds do. And again, it's what God expects of those who would serve as shepherds of his flock. Elders, because one of the terms for elders is the word episkopos, to oversee, to be a bishop, they have the responsibility also to oversee the church's work. Where are we going to do mission work as a congregation? Who are we going to support? What kinds of community outreach efforts are we going to have as a congregation? As a congregation, what kinds of things are we planning for and praying about and dreaming about in the future? Those kinds of questions are ultimately overseen by the eldership. In 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 12, we ask you brothers to respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you. He's talking about elders. Give respect to them, but notice they're over us and they teach us and admonish us in the Lord. Again, when you think about elders overseeing the church's work, it's worth noting, listen carefully what I'm about to say. Elders govern collectively. 
when it comes to their oversight of the Lord's body, when it comes to their working together, they speak as a voice, as an eldership. Sometimes individual elders will have something that they want to accomplish, something that they want to do, and they might come and visit with us, and it's legitimate sometimes for us, not having a rebellious spirit, not saying anything like that, but it's sometimes legitimate for us to ask the question, is this your individual point of view, or is this the position of the eldership collectively? It's legitimate to ask that question. Because elders collectively are the ones who oversee the work of the church. In Acts 11 verse 30, when they sent funds to the church in Jerusalem, they sent it to the elders, plural, by the hand of Barnabas and Saul. And again, when you think about the elders overseeing the church's work, wise indeed are the elders who delegate wisely who realize that if they're going to try to do all the work, if they're going to try to accomplish everything, nothing really of substance is going to be accomplished in the long run. Remember Jethro, Moses' father-in-law in Exodus chapter 18, verses 17 and 18? Jethro watched Moses trying to do everything himself, and he took him aside and said, what you're doing is not good, you and the people that are with you. They're going to certainly wear yourselves out, for the thing is too heavy for you. Jethro said, you are not able, Moses, to do this alone. Elders who are wise will spend time delegating, delegating tasks and responsibilities to others, specifically, especially deacons who are servant leaders to the glory of God. Again, delegating wisely in Acts chapter 6, verses 1 through 7, when there was a problem in the church between widows that are being neglected in the daily distribution, the apostles who are not necessarily elders, but listen to what they say, though. The apostles had a sense of their mission, their responsibility. The twelve summoned the full number of the disciples and said, it's not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. They knew, the apostles did, that they had been given a God-given responsibility. Their job was to preach. Their job was to minister. Their job was to pray. And they knew that if they neglected that responsibility, that the church was going to suffer. And what you see happening there in Acts 6, verses 1 through 7, is you see the apostles delegating work to others. And so while elders oversee the church's work, it's a huge point of emphasis in wise elderships to delegate what's needed to to be delegated. General areas of responsibility. Now let's get a little bit more specific, and I'll just give you about six of these. Specific areas, especially when it comes to the congregation here at Katy, that every elder ought to be concerned about, that we need to appreciate this is their area and they are the ones who have the authority in this area. Number one, elders specifically have the responsibility in a local congregation to generate great communication. Communication is difficult. It's really difficult the larger the group becomes. What needs to be said, what doesn't need to be said, what kinds of things need to be emphasized, what kinds of things can be left out. We only have so much time together. But think about this. When you read the book of Nehemiah, Nehemiah chapter 2 verse 18, after he had walked around the city and seen how the wall was torn down and he had checked everything out, then Nehemiah started communicating to the people. And he told them about how the hand of the Lord had been upon him. And he told the people about how God had blessed them and God was going to rebuild the wall. And the Bible says when Nehemiah was finished talking, the people said, let's rise up and build. And they put their hands to the good work. 
elders who are wise pay attention to the kind of communication they give. Great communication is a blessing to the people of God, especially when it comes from the shepherds. Secondly, elders have the responsibility to keep the church focused on her mission. You've heard, I'm sure, of mission creep, right? Mission creep is the idea that you start out with one task, one agenda, one idea, and as time goes on and as different circumstances uh, are encountered, the mission changes ever so slightly, a little bit at a time, a little bit at a time. And there are congregations of God's people that have completely lost their focus on the idea that our mission is to reach out to the community and to save souls. And elders have the responsibility to keep the church focused on her mission. Who's going to encourage us to reach out to the lost? Who's going to encourage us to have Bible studies? Who's going to encourage us to teach and to preach the Word of God in our community, if not the shepherds, if not the elders? It's the Great Commission, and it's still the commission that Jesus would give to the church today. And elders are to keep the church focused on that. What are elders supposed to do specifically? They have a responsibility for encouragement. This is a discouraging world. If you watch the news, I hope you don't, but if you do, I can imagine you can identify with somebody I heard recently that said, I watch the news and I read what's happening in the world and I just get knots in my stomach. All the world does, it seems, is discourage us. Shepherds wisely will give their attention to proper, appropriate encouragement. I will do all things for your edification, for your building up, Paul said. 2 Corinthians 12, verse 19. Acts 20, verse 32, Paul says, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up. God's shepherds are to be encouraging. There's a lot to wring our hands about. There are a lot of things to be concerned about. There are a lot of things that really cause us anxiety and stress. But when it comes to what we hear from the shepherds, isn't it calming for the sheep, literally, when the shepherd speaks with a calm voice? Oh, yeah, there's danger around. Yes, there are things that are concerning. But we're being watchful. And we're praying about these things. Encouragement. Specifically, what should elders be involved in? Administration. Philippians chapter 1, verse 1, again. I've referred to that passage a number of times, but just a lot's implied in that one verse. The idea that Paul writes a letter and he writes it and addresses it first and foremost to the elders and then to the deacons and then to the, and then to the saints. There's administration. There are bills to pay. There are technical things to take care of. There are a lot of administrative tasks and responsibilities. And ultimately, who's responsible for all of that? Ultimately, it's the shepherds. They can delegate wisely, and they do. They can allow others to take care of some of those things, and they do wisely. But when it comes down to who is and is not a member of the Lord's church, church in Katy, questions like that. Who does need to be visited? Who does need to be uh, counseled? Those kinds of questions. Ultimately, the buck stops with the shepherds. Administration. What about facilities? Where will the Katy Church meet? What will our facilities look like? Who has the final say-so in the decisions that are made? Again, wisely, elders can delegate. 
They can give responsibility in these areas to others. But ultimately, who has the final say? Who has the final responsibility given by God? It's the shepherds. Every single Sunday when we make the contribution, somebody prays, Father, we pray that these funds will be used in a way that's consistent with your will, in a way that helps the church to reach out and fulfill our mission. And facilities are a tool, and that's all they are, a tool in aiding in that task. Hebrews 10.25 talks about the assembling of ourselves together. And the fact that the Bible talks about the assembling of ourselves together means, of necessity, that the church needs a place to assemble. Well, who's going to decide what that place looks like and where that place is? Ultimately, it's the elders. And then finally, specific areas. Discipleship and discipline. All of us have an obligation to encourage each other. All of us have an obligation to reach out to each other when we see each other wandering. But ultimately, because the shepherds are shepherds, there is a responsibility on their part to see, to watch your life and mine, and ask the question, are you growing as a Christian? Are you growing in your relationship with Jesus Christ? Elders think about those things. Is there, is there a thriving faith that's happening in your life, in your family's life? Or is, are you struggling with some things? Elders have a responsibility to be watching for those kinds of things. And elders also have a responsibility to discipline when appropriate, in appropriate ways. Ultimately, Discipline concludes, culminates in the church withdrawing fellowship from someone. But there are many, many, many steps prior to that. And again, elders are interested in the entire process all the way. Really, if we would discipline ourselves, if we exercise self-control, all of us, there would be no need for church discipline. But we don't always exercise self-control. And we don't always do what we know is right. And because that's true... Elders have the authority, they have the responsibility to oversee cases where discipline needs to be exercised congregationally. Those are some specific areas worth contemplating. As we think about and pray for men who are qualified and who can serve and to work with the current eldership here at Katy, these things ought to be on our minds. Are the names that we're submitting, are they cognizant of these roles are they capable of fulfilling these types of things? Because this is the work that God has given for elders to do. I'm thankful that God has blessed his church, not just in Katy, but everywhere, that he's blessed his church with an office called the office of an elder. And we ought to do everything in our power, all of us, to encourage and to build up and to pray for and to support men who serve God in such a demanding and such a serious role. May it always be said of us that we are encouragers of men who serve as shepherds. If you're here tonight, you need to obey the gospel and you know that you need to be baptized for the remission of your sins and you're ready to make that step this evening. This is a great time to obey the gospel. Maybe you need to respond. You need to ask for prayers. Won't you come forward and won't you make your need known while together we stand and while we sing?